chapter three sections five through seven of the marvels of divine grace by alice lady lovett this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three on the effect and fruits of divine grace section five hope like charity has its seat not in the intellect but in the will the will has two acts the first is to take pleasure in the good it sees and the second to pursue it with earnestness and confidence in the same way as faith communicates to our reason a supernatural power of understanding the infused virtue of hope endows our will with a divine power and a supernatural confidence that it may actively pursue and securely attain the highest and infinite good to which nothing created can attain hope lifts us above all creatures in order to rest in god alone it is the source of our confidence of possessing god the highest supernatural good for all eternity and it bases this confidence upon nothing less than the infinite and almighty power of god himself and the promises made to us by him st paul has been called the apostle of divine grace and as grace is the foundation of hope he more than any of the sacred writers has made holy hope the subject of his discourse in his epistle to the romans he goes at length into the grounds we have for hope being justified therefore by faith let us have peace with god through our lord jesus christ by whom also we have access through faith into this grace wherein we stand and glory in the hope of the glory of the sons of god and not only so but we glory also in tribulations knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience trial and trial hope and hope confoundeth not because the charity of god is poured forth in our hearts by the holy ghost who is given us romans chapter five verses one through five again in the eighth chapter of the same epistle he returns to the same subject in these words there is now therefore no condemnation to them that are in christ jesus who walk not according to the flesh for the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus hath delivered me from the law of sin and death for we know that every creature groaneth and travaileth in pain even till now and not only it but ourselves also who have the first-fruits of the spirit even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption of the sons of god the redemption of our body for we are saved by hope but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth why doth he hope for but if we hope for that which we see not we wait for it with patience romans chapter eight and again in another place praised be to god who hath given us the victory through our lord jesus christ what can we add to these sublime words except that they are given to us not only to be admired 
but to be deeply pondered over so that with the help of divine grace they may give rise to the spirit of childlike confidence in god which more than any other dispositions makes our soul pleasing to him for as a great saint has said the measure of our loving confidence in god is the measure of his mercies to us section six now there remain faith hope and charity and the greatest of these is charity one corinthians chapter thirteen verse thirteen it is the greatest because it is the complement and perfection of faith and hope for by charity we embrace the highest good which we know by faith by charity we are united on earth with that which is the object of our hope in heaven faith and hope may be dead that is they may exist in us without uniting us in a living manner to god whilst charity cannot be dead because it is life in itself and gives life to faith and hope we may possess the faith and hope of the children of god without being in a state of grace but when charity is infused into our soul then the holy ghost is likewise given us and he comes not only to enrich us with his grace but to dwell in us and consecrate our soul as his temple this supernatural charity therefore is as great a gift as sanctifying grace itself as god unites himself in a supernatural manner to our soul by grace so we unite ourselves by supernatural love in a mysterious but very real manner with god and thus complete that golden circle which embraces god and the creature and makes both one spirit god bestows upon us a love which can only be compared to that which he bears his own son by making us participate in the divine nature and we again approach and return to our heavenly father by filial love as we have proceeded from him and the same holy spirit which proceeds from the father and the son becomes the bond and seal of our union with god as grace is a participation of the divine nature so is the charity which proceeds from grace a participation of the divine charity hence some theologians have erroneously held that it was identical with the holy spirit himself rather is it according to the apostle infused into our hearts by the holy ghost being a holy flame which his sacred fire kindles in our soul which is an image of that divine charity from which he himself proceeds as the immediate beatific vision is a participation of that divine intelligence of which the eternal word is born only such a love becomes the state of the children of god in grace he loves us with a paternal love in his only begotten son and so we must by grace embrace him with filial love by grace he comes to us with the whole goodness and benignity of his divine nature and so grace must pervade our soul 
as with a divine magnetism that draws us supernaturally to god and immerses us in him love in general is the cause of all that is sweetest and most blessed in our relations with god or with creatures its very name is synonymous with consolation and happiness our heart has been created for the enjoyment of love and it desires nothing more than to find a worthy object of love with which to unite itself yet what is all natural love for creatures and even for god when compared with that holy supernatural charity which is poured out into our hearts by the holy spirit in grace his love comes directly from god himself it is the blossom and fruit of divine life and happiness it is a spark of the fire of divine charity with which he is inflamed it is of this love that thomas akempis says nothing is sweeter than love nothing stronger nothing higher nothing wider nothing more pleasant nothing fuller or better in heaven or earth for love proceeds from god and cannot rest but in god above all things created whosoever loves knows the cry of this voice a loud cry in the ear of god is the ardent affection of the soul which saith o my god my love thou art all mine and i am all thine of this love st bernard writes it forgets the reverence and submission proper to a creature and with the hardihood of a child and the familiarity of a spouse boldly raises itself up to god himself clasps him as its father friend beloved in a most intimate embrace it penetrates into the innermost depths of his goodness and is dissolved in the abyss of his divine heart o human heart lonely and sad heart that will always love and yet is never satisfied with love how canst thou remain closed against this grace of divine love which alone will satisfy all thy cravings and fill thee with the torrent of the pleasure of thy god when thy lord approaches thee with such love how canst thou refuse to complete that golden circle which will fasten himself to thee and thee to him oh if thou didst know the gift of god like the samaritan woman thou wouldst ask the saviour for the living water which having tasted of thou wouldst never thirst again section seven as by grace we are made true children and friends of god and god gives all his creatures the power and means to live according to their state and destiny he must give us who are his children the help we require to attain to our supernatural end which is himself we must be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect therefore grace must not only bestow on us the theological virtues by which we are united to god in faith hope and charity but likewise all other virtues which will enable us to live in a manner conformable to our rank as children of god and to our sublime relation with god 
and our neighbor these as distinguished from the divine virtues are called moral virtues and they are as superior to the natural virtues such as are known to the human reason to infidels and philosophers as grace is superior to nature with natural moral virtue we may lead good lives as fathers of families or citizens but by grace we walk not in our own spirit but in that of the holy ghost who produces in us a heavenly morality meekness goodness temperance and purity and makes us similar to the angels even to god himself thus an act of supernatural virtue differs almost as much from acts which are performed on natural though virtuous motives as the rational acts of man differ from those of merely sensual and animal life moreover the supernatural virtues have besides their sublime nature and in virtue of it the additional advantage over the natural virtues that they may be acquired in a moment and with comparatively little labor the natural virtues are the fruit of our efforts and we often take a long time to acquire them the supernatural virtues are far above all efforts of ours to acquire they are the fruit of the holy ghost who infuses them into us and whose grace as saint ambrose says knows no tardiness in action they enter our heart at the moment when we receive grace and charity in justification the exercise of these virtues it is true does not become at once easy and pleasant to us for our evil habits and inclinations are opposed to them but they give us light and strength which if we correspond with grace will enable us to overcome all obstacles in the practice of them these supernatural virtues are not all or even the greatest of the blessings conferred on us by the indwelling of the holy ghost there are others which are particularly attributed to him and are called in a special sense gifts of the holy ghost these gifts are spoken of prophetically by the prophet isaiah who applied them to the sacred humanity of christ and the spirit of the lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and fortitude the spirit of knowledge and of godliness and he shall be filled with the spirit of the fear of the lord isaiah chapter eleven verse two the same holy spirit who rested upon the humanity of the son of god comes to us also when we are in a state of grace and not in a transient manner but in order to take possession of our soul and illuminate it and abide with it forever by the acts of the seven virtues which we perform under the impulse and with the help of the seven gifts of the holy ghost we acquire likewise the eight beatitudes of which our lord spoke in the sermon on the mount the gift of fear and the virtue of temperance make us truly poor in spirit 
by mortifying our pride and our desire of earthly goods and thus secure to us the kingdom of god with its sublime sovereignty and abundant riches by the gift of piety and the virtue of justice we practise true meekness live in peace and harmony with our fellow-men and thus deserve undisturbed possession of the land of promise by the gift of knowledge and the virtue of prudence we acquire holy sorrow and perceiving the vanity of earthly things and of false reasonings we seek peace of mind and comfort in god alone the gift of fortitude and the virtue of holy zeal will create in us a growing hunger and thirst after justice which will hereafter be satisfied by god with all heavenly blessings the gift of counsel by which the virtue of hope is increased and confirmed will induce us to practise mercy towards our neighbour in order that we may find mercy from god the gift of understanding and the virtue of faith plunge our heart in the divine light purify it evermore from sensual attachments and thus procure for us that purity of heart which makes us worthy of seeing god face to face in heaven finally the gift of wisdom and the virtue of charity tend to unite us ever more intimately with god and with our neighbour in the enjoyment of the highest good which implies that peace which makes us true and perfect children of god these are not the only means by which the paraclete the comforter assists man in his passage to eternity our saviour speaking for the last time to his disciples said of him that he will teach you all things and bring all things to your mind whatsoever i shall have said to you these lessons might be summed up under two headings one love of god two love of man the twelve fruits of the holy ghost of which st paul speaks are a token and reminder to god's children of what he taught them when he was on earth for as he went about doing good as it was said of him prophetically the bruised reed he shall not break and the smoking flax he shall not extinguish as his words were ever merciful and compassionate to the sorrowful the suffering and the sinner as he forgave his disciples who denied or deserted him without so much as a word of reproach and he besought forgiveness from his heavenly father for his executioners so the graces conferred by the holy ghost on his faithful followers are a perpetual reminder of what christ expects from them the fruit of the spirit is charity joy peace patience benignity goodness longanimity mildness faith modesty continency and chastity galatians chapter five verses twenty two and twenty three End of chapter 3, section 7